0: Hello and welcome to True Crime Medieval, 1,000 Years of People Behaving Badly. I'm Anne Brannan. I'm your host in Albuquerque.
1: And I'm Michelle Butler in Maryland, the most medieval state in America.
0: And today we are talking about the death of King William II of England, also known as William Rufus, and called by me Billy Rufus for no reason whatsoever, except I made it up when I was, what, 18 and learning this as an undergraduate. So at any rate, Billy Rufus, we're talking about the death of him. Uh, He was born sometime around 1060, we don't know, but we know what day he died, which was the 2nd of August, 1100, because he was hunting, and he got shot with an arrow. It was really sad. He was the third son of William the Conqueror, and the back, the background of this is important. So before we get to the horrible hunting, getting, getting shot in the breast with an arrow incident in William Rufus's life, this is what was going on before then. William the Conqueror had died in 1087. And by the time that he died, he had secured Normandy. Well, this is after a lot of fighting in Normandy, but he was like he had been Duke of Normandy. There he was. And Edward of England had died in 1051. And Edward of England didn't have any children, and he apparently chose William as his successor, even though William, as you can tell by his name, Duke, he was in Normandy. Why? Well, William was the grandson of Richard II of Normandy, and Richard's sister Emma was Edward's mother, so William was Edward's first cousin once removed. Fair enough. Godwin, the Earl of Essex, wasn't happy about this. He was in exile at the time of Edward's death, when Edward named his successor, which would be one of the reasons he wasn't named the successor. Edward was his son-in-law. And in 1052, um, Godwin returned into England. He had an army, he got his lands back, and he died in 1053. And so his son Harold, which was... Would be Edmund's brother-in-law. I hope you're following all this. May I might have to put a chart in, like we did with this, with the Scottish, <laughs> the Scottish succession problem. <laughs> we might have to put a chart in because it's way more complicated than I had remembered. You know, oh, William been named successor, but Harold wanted it. Mm, way more complicated than that. Anyway, hit Harold inherited his father's earldom, and he became the main English contender for the throne of England. Although, I'm going to have to tell you, the son of Edmund Ironside, that would be Edward the Exile, who was another first cousin once removed of Edward, was also a contender, but that's the last I'm going to say about him because it goes nowhere. All right, so everything was unstable. Harold was crowned king, at any rate, in January of 1066. Oh, so then everything was calm, wasn't it? England had an English king. Okay, no, in September, (laughs) in September, William invaded. There had already, um, uh, allies had already attacked through Northumbria first, but William invaded in September, and and so that was the Battle of Hastings, and yada, yada, and, and William won. All right, William, who was the Duke of Normandy, was now also the King of England. And he had his new lands surveyed and accounted for on account of he needed to know where the taxes were coming from and he had to keep track of things. So that's the Domesday Book, which means the Doomsday Book, which means the the book for the, the the Book of Judgment Day, meaning that like if everything stopped right now, this is who owns what. And he parceled out the lands and he parceled out earldoms and he had an interesting life, but we're gonna jump to his death. All right. He was in Normandy at the time that he died. He left Normandy, which were really coveted lands, to his first son. He didn't leave England to his first son. He left Normandy to his first son. And that would be Robert Curthose, Duke of Normandy. Richard, who was the second son, had was already dead. He had died in 1070 because he had a hunting accident in the New Forest. I'm going to give you a list of people who have hunting accidents in the New Forest, but at any rate, he was one of them and william the third son was left england and so he was going to be king and the last son who was henry inherited some money <laughs> all
1: right Would you Do like you have to anything? hear a story about william the conqueror's funeral
0: oh honey i so want to hear this story what is your story
1: so william the conqueror gets taken off to the church Um, where they're going to have his funeral, and then they're going to inter him. And the monks are trying to, you know, have the service and... They get interrupted from the gathered crowd in the church by this guy who says, hold up, you cannot bury him here yet. The land that this church is built on was stolen from my family, and I am not allowing this to go forward until I am paid because this was just stolen. And the crowd went like, yeah, that's true. You know, he totally did. Is a descendant of this family where the land was stolen from, and the monks had to pay this guy off before they could continue with the in internments.
0: <laughs> so much for unifying Normandy. <laughs> oh, and then his then his body exploded, didn't it? It was really yes. it had a noxious smell. It was very sad. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Poor William the Conqueror. <laughs> do we don't know how much this costs, do we? <laughs>
1: Um, You know what? I could look back at the biography and look it up. Um, what, uh, Emma Mason is kind of the world's expert on William Rufus, and she starts her biography of him um, back with the dad, setting up, setting up the conquest and setting up what happens to drop William into it, that he has to get scurrying across the channel to try to get back a hold of things because he was with him. He was, he was in Normandy with him and he had to try to scurry across there before some English person took it into their head that they could maybe take it back.
0: He left before his father died.
1: Yeah. Yes, indeed. He was (laughs) gone. He was gone. And, um, there's some snottiness in, uh, Orderic's discussion of this about how Henry was the only one that even went to their dad's funeral. (laughs)
0: Well, he, he didn't have any land to take care of. Henry, had, they, he had been given nothing except some money. He didn't have to go to secure anything. Henry securing things will be a later part of this story.
1: And of course, when William the Conqueror knew he was dying, he told his son, you got to get back to England. You have to be Johnny on the spot or you're not going to be able to hold it.
0: Okay, so let's all be fair. William did not abandon his father on his deathbed so much as leave when he told him to so as to go make hay while sun was shining. Okay, fair enough.
1: Obeying his last command.
0: Yes, okay, let's say that. I like obeying his last commands. (laughs) Go to England. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thank you. So, anyway, he died, and he had a very sad funeral, which would none of us want to have because it was tacky beyond belief.
1: my God. It was just like in the horrible version of the future in A Christmas Carol. There's <laughs> his servants are stealing crap off his body.
0: <laughs> it's a wonderful thing to conquer a, um, a great deal of the Western world. <laughs> Robert and William immediately went to war (laughs) because they both wanted England and Normandy both. Because see, one of the problems was that the nobles who had gone to England from Normandy with William had been given lots of lands in England when he parceled out all the earldoms and whatnot, and they owned land in both England and Normandy in the same way that, that William had Ruled both these realms. They were connected to both realms. And it's problematic if you own a bunch of land in one place and then you also own a bunch of land in another place because sometimes, like, people. You know, you have to figure out where your allegiance goes. So it made sense to make England and Normandy one unit again. But of course, the problem was that you were going to have to have either Robert or William Rufus, and you couldn't have both.
1: I like how the two uncles, though, um, William the Conqueror's half-brothers, Odo, and I forget the other one's name, decide that they want Robert because he's going to be easier to push around than William Rufus. So they join in on the rebellion against William and then they lie. He catches um William Rufus catches Odo because this rebellion happens quickly, like 1089. I mean it's like instantaneous.
0: She's talking about the Earl's rebellion, yeah? The yeah. because Yeah, there's a bunch of Earls and they're like, okay, we're just gonna f- Go to war
1: he captures odo who's one of the leaders william william's forces get a hold of him and uh, odo swears all these oaths to him about you know just let me go back up to my holding in the north and i'll turn it over to you and things will be fine but when he gets back up there when he tells his men go ahead and open the gates he kind of winks at them to let him know let the let his guys know that he's in trouble and instead what they do is they come out And they kill off William's forces that were there escorting Odo, and they all go back inside and slam the doors, and he has to besiege him again!
0: (laughs) Billy Rufus did not have an easy time of it, I will just say. (laughs) Oh, mighty!
1: And that's his (laughs)
0: half-uncle! I like your outrage, (laughs) (laughs) Because everybody's so badly behaved. You would think that uh, the time we've been, as much time as we've been reading about the Middle Ages and as much time as we've been doing the podcast all about the bad behavior in the Middle Ages, you would think that you would not be so outraged, but I like it that you are. It was family, and it was the, and and they had an oath. You know, so, yeah. These are sacred things. He's a bishop. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. And he's a bishop. Yeah, that's true. He's a bishop.
1: He's really not supposed to behave like that. He should set a better example.
0: <laughs> it, yes, he should. We all agree. We all agree here. What, there's another clergyman that's uh, is telling William that he should arrest Odo. and uh, uh, William's like, "I can't arrest the Archbishop." He said, "No, but you can arrest the the Earl of whatever he's the Earl of."
1: Oh, that's right. Ed, I forgot about that. <laughs> that's true. What is he the Earl of? What Kent is he the Earl something? of? I don't know. It's in the north. I could, I could look
0: it up, yes, yeah, so he's arrested not as an archbishop but as a secular nobleman, because he gets to be both those things, right. so as to being king of England, william <laughs> Williams he wasn't very liked, but as far as I can tell, he's not worse than any of the other Normans. I mean, he may actually be better than a bunch of... He's certainly better than King John, let's say that. But uh, he had a temper, and uh, he was impetuous uh, sometimes. But, you know, he f- and he had quarrels with the church, uh, power quarrels, because the Archbishop of Canterbury and the King of England are are these two power forces that don't actually always see eye to eye and you know one of them has to win but he did found Bermondsey Abbey and he managed to keep the Anglo-Norman earls in line after some you know the little the little fight here which his father had trouble doing he kept the Scots from invading and he built some castles in the Welsh marches all these last two things are good from an English point of view I reserve my judgment on them. Uh, And he also acted as regent in Normandy when his brother Robert went on the First Crusade. And so for that little piece of time, (laughs) up until his death, England and Normandy were ruled by the same person. Uh, So that was nice.
1: I found that relationship with Scotland to be really interesting. How so? Because later on um, with Edward I, and he's demanding that the Scottish king do homage to him and act as his vassal. It kind of, when we were doing Edward the first um, and the murder of Edward II, it kind of looked like that just came out of nowhere, but that actually happened earlier. The, the king of Scotland had t- uh, done homage and become the vassal of William, the conqueror. And then the Scottish king did that again with William Rufus. So Edward the first wasn't like pulling that out of his ear. That was something okay. that, that had happened, so you know, in that one particular moment, I will give Edward the I a little bit of a pass because he didn't actually make that up. That was something that had existed.
0: I don't like to give Edward the first any passes in the name of Wales and Scotland, but um okay, all right, I will nod to history fair enough.
1: it was was only ridiculous. it wasn't entirely ridiculous.
0: okay, fair enough. <laughs> The chroniclers say that William was hated, but since they were all clergymen and they did not like how he treated the church, this, this may be a little biased, so it's hard to say. It's also true his court was very much French not English I mean really this is just the second generation he was born in Normandy uh, so that didn't endear him to the English and plus um the it, it was he had a luxurious court and so contemporaries connected it to um uh, effemacy, effemina, eff, effemina, eff, eff, effeminacy 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 <laughs> uh so you know it it just it didn't it it didn't have that hearty english feel apparently um after his death after his death writers began to call him a sodomite um but there's no rumors of homosexual activity uh as you know as separate from luxurious behavior and effeminacy during his lifetime he had no wife he had no partners that we know of he had no children so it's It's easy to make any kind of rumor about his sexuality because we got no notion as to what it was. We actually do not. There's nothing about illegitimate children. There's nothing about hanging out with women down at the bar. There's nothing about hanging out with men down at the bar. There's not, he's got some beloved companions, but they don't. The level of companionship doesn't rise to the level of the of the companionship that Edward II was having with Gaveston and what's his name, you know. So we don't know. We just don't know. And so people have filled up that gap by making things up. But what we know about him was that. (laughs) But what we know about him is that he had a temper. He um he liked luxury. Uh, he he was very, he was actually apparently very courageous and strong and, you know, not afraid of things. And he would, he would whoop your ass apparently. So rate, anyway, that's what we know about William. Before we, now, before we go to how he died, which is like a major thing and really what we're talking about in the crime podcast. Did you want to add stuff here about his, um, about him? Because I know you did a lot of work on that.
1: So the Chroniclers... Um who write about him, are not only largely monastic chroniclers, they were not high-level leaders in their monasteries. And uh, Emma Mason, the biographer, points out that that means that they don't really understand the ways in which the church is often connected into the politics so for example, huh. Odo, Odo being the Earl of Kent and the Bishop of Bayou, um, there's nobody at that level who is writing the chronicles. They're all kind of lower level monks, and they have a much more idealistic understanding of what the church is supposed to be doing. So they're much harder on him than, you know, like Odo would be, right? <laughs> maybe not him in particular, but somebody who's a a higher level churchman and understands the ways in which high ranking churchmen have to be able to do a little realpolitik.
0: Okay. So they have a simplistic notion of what, uh, of what the, of what the relationship between the church and the crown is and how that works.
1: Yes. And I thought that was a fair point. That is a
0: fair point, and I like
1: that. She talks about how very, very difficult it is to even get a, a picture of him because so many of these sources are d- during his lifetime. Are that there's um, one from Jeffrey Geimer, who is not he's a he's a Norman, not a layperson, um, who's writing more based on the the. Chansons that would have been floating around about oh, William. Oh, oh, that's that's a good source. <laughs> well, but those are more positive, right? So, so right, 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 But that went nowhere. It's it it doesn't influence anything that follows afterwards. <laughs> it's, it's it's a comp- It's the negative monastic portrayal that, right, that, that influences we influences studies of him way down into the 19th and even 20th centuries.
0: Wow. Well, wow. um, my remark about the chanson, by the way, is um, from knowing that my idea that really it's not good to figure out what a time period or a person is like historically from whatever's going on in popular literature at the time because they don't (laughs) always have any kind of relationship to the same realms of truth. And so that's why I always thought thought that was hilarious, but yeah, the chansons would really be much nicer about it. And I, uh, that's that's good because he was brave, wasn't he, And a soldier? And you could make romances, why not?
1: Yeah, and he he won a a lot of battles. He you know he he manages to put down that rebellion in 1089. You know, he's he's constantly fussing with somebody. He has trouble in Wales, but everybody has trouble in Wales. That's why Yay! Wales more <laughs> castles per square mile than anywhere else in Europe.
0: Yes, we were not we were not well behaved in terms of what the English thought of as good behavior. Owen Glendower, Owen Glendower forever. Okay, we move on. Yeah, no, he had trouble in Hello. Wales. Hello,
1: yeah. everybody has trouble in Wales. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we invented Corgis, I just want to point that out. So are we re- so shall we go to how he died? Are you ready for this? Yes, okay. How he died on the second of August, eleven hundred William went hunting in New Forest. Now we're going to have a little segue, because I want to talk about New Forest. It's still called New Forest, although it's not very new anymore, is it? William the Conqueror had proclaimed it a royal forest. It had been some hamlets and some farmsteads. They got obliterated for the new area, though really the land wasn't, it isn't good for farming, so it wasn't like it was this great, prosperous thing that got um, obliterated. But, you know, there was some activity. And new, and the thing about the royal forest, the royal forest, only the king and nobles, by permission, are allowed to hunt there. That's it. The royal forest are royal forest. But they also run cattle. There's some farming. Um, they can use the land for resources. And they also use them as wildlife preserves. Henry I is going to have lions and leopards in his royal forest, which is oh like, my. You know, I know. I don't know where he got him though. So he went hunting in New Forest, which is where you go hunting if you're royal. He went hunting and he got shot. That's what happened. Now we leave. Okay, wait, no, I'll tell you more. He got (laughs) shot by an arrow that was shot by one of his men and he died. And that is actually the earliest account we have. That is it. William went hunting. He got shot by an arrow shot by, that was you know, f- shot by one of his men, and he died. And that is the entirety of the account in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicles. That's it. But soon there's more. Later accounts tell us that the man who shot him was William Terrell, who did it by accident, because there's an arrow that glanced off a tree and hit the king, and that then Terrell jumped on his horse and got the hell away and went to France. William of Malmesbury tells us that the king pulled the arrow out of his own breast, which of course caused him to die more quickly, and also tells us that the body was put on a cart, bled all the way to Winchester, and was buried in the tower, and then the tower fell down. Although another chronicler tells us that the king managed to keep it together long enough to tell Tyrell to flee and get away and run because it wasn't his fault and the king was dying by his own hand really because he was so bad. And another version is that the hunting party abandoned the king's body for a few days and peasants brought it in a little later. (laughs) But here's the thing. Nothing happened. There was no inquiry that we have any evidence of. Nobody got in trouble the king was just dead that's it
1: and henry who spent very little time in england was conveniently there
0: yes henry was part of the hunting party
1: and it just so happens that william was planning a an expedition in france it just so happens that this prevented him from invading a, another part of france other than normandy isn't that a coinkwik
0: Yes, it's quite a quinkey. What the hell word is that? Where do you where do you get these things? Is this some is this some Midwestern thing that y'all say and Probably. <laughs> Because we do not say that. I'm just a quinky quonk <laughs> Yes, it was what we, some of us refer to as a coincidence.
1: Emma Mason actually thinks it's the French who arranged his assassination. Oh, does she really? And just sort of winked at Henry. You might want to go spend summer with your brother because they're the ones that benefit. Um,
0: that benefit the most. Mm-hmm. Even more than Henry, who becomes king of England.
1: <laughs> yeah, because they... Do not, um, what's going on is there's another Lord who, uh, is having to offer him mains in order to go off and do something or other. It's like, it's like what he did with Robert Kurthose, where he, uh, it was mortgaged to him to finance going off uh-huh. to, so it's like that only he's going to, so now he's going to be allowed to go take up this other take up residence in this other part of france and you know the actual part of france that was held by the kings of france at this point was really small and they weren't (laughs) her theory is that they did not want him to hold that part of france too because then then he holds more of france than they do
0: indeed it's bad enough having the vikings own normandy i mean lordy yeah because oh, I had not heard this that, that, that I had not heard the Frencher behind it theory but I'm clamped down with it. I like that because there's a bunch of theories naturally be, it, naturally the theories that it wasn't an accident become quite common and quite pervasive uh, by the way I want to I want to well, skip ahead a little in the 20th century uh, Margaret Murray is going to advance the theory that the king had been killed um, with his agreement. Because he was a pagan and um, allowed himself yeah. to be killed. Okay, no, you, you gotta wait till the end of this. And allowed himself to be killed as a sort of kingly nature god so as to ensure the fecundity of the land. But Margaret Marie, but Mar- Margaret also thought that there were other sacrifices um, of this same nature, including Thomas Becket, Gilles de Ray, Joan of Arc. <laughs> So here's the deal. None of her evidence is contemporary, and all of it is misunderstood, so we're going to leave that there. But I remember this being a big deal with a bunch of um, my buddies. I never bought it myself. I was like, no, because William Rufus was not actually a pagan, for one thing. (laughs) that's a little difficult. He wasn't even a secret pagan. He was just, you know, this. It's true that little bits of paganism kind of like survived on in through the Christian era. And, you know, it's like my grandmother was still putting milk out for the fairies and that was in the 20th century, you know. this But no, William Rufus was not was not allowing himself to be killed by his beloved companion with an arrow so that the land would be fecund he got killed by an accident it might have been murder and it might have been an accident but it wasn't about the fecundity of the land i'm just saying okay uh so you got this down you're understanding this now <laughs> after your little outrage there for a minute
1: <laughs> okay i don't buy that
0: no 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 nobody buys that um
1: (laughs) i uh i mean it's possible it was just an accident you know on the accident side of the ledger we do have he's already had two family members die by accident in new forest his brother richard was was killed there um Richard was maybe 16 and he was out hunting and somehow manages to get himself smushed between a branch and his saddle bow. I'm not even positive. Are you backing the horse up? I'm not even sure how that's possible. He was going
0: real fast and he ran into a tree is what I've read.
1: So he gets killed in New Forest and then Robert's son also named Richard Mm -hmm. was killed in New Forest, um, I believe the same year. That William (laughs) dies.
0: Hunting is really dangerous in the Middle Ages. It's just really... really, I'm going to give you a list of the dead royal people in a minute. But yeah. Yeah. No, it could well have been an accident. And it might well have been murder. But it wasn't pagan sacrifice. So the big theory, of course, is murder. The king was murdered. um, So Tyrrell had no reason on his own to murder the king. So then the question is... Who was it? Who was he working for? If indeed it was Terrell at all, that's also a piece of information that shows up later. And so the obvious answer would be William Rufus's younger brother, Henry, who inherited the English throne and became Henry I of England and was in the hunting party. Uh, and rufus had had a dream the night before we're told again it's later chroniclers i think they're making it up that he was going to die and apparently some other people had prophetic dreams and so maybe that was all true but no so to, to for me the most compelling evidence is that henry about about henry is that william was shot um in the afternoon by that night Henry was 22 miles away in um, Winchester, where he succeeded in wrangling the royal treasurer, treasury, treasurer away. He was selected king the next day by a council assembled very hastily while um, William was getting buried. Um, Henry left for London 70 miles away and was crowned on August 5th. So this is all really, really quick.
1: Yeah. Three days later.
0: Mm-hmm. The breadth of those actions and the quickness of their execution is very suspicious, I think.
1: I agree. I think that the fact that Henry is present, the fact that he moves so quickly, he's not um, he's not William's named successor. William and Robert had had an agreement after they settled their differences that they would be each other's heir.
0: Yes. Yeah. Henry grabbed the throne. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, So I have, but I have a counterpoint to this. C. Warren Hollister in 1973 wrote about this And he argues that that's not any big deal, noting that when Henry himself would die completely unsuspiciously, Stephen of Blois would do the very same thing, hasten to grab the throne, hasten to be crowned, and he had had no notice. And when William I had died, everybody cut out immediately and went to take care of their affairs, including, as we've noted, Rufus going off to England for the crown before his father was even dead. And so um, Holliston thinks that this is actually not that unusual and terrell who had been in rufus's favor was a close companion and him he himself said that he had not fired the shot and that he wasn't even in that piece of the forest and at the point at which he says this he was safe in france and had no reason to lie so it's the issue of the lack of inquiry this is also this has been an issue for me but um Hollister argues that there may well have been an inquiry and that the chroniclers simply didn't report it. We have other instances of that where we, we know that there's an inquiry, but we know it only from other sources hmm. and that they don't make an inquiry for, for hunting accidents unless there is evidence of ill intent and which, would mean it was murder. They don't, he doesn't expect an inquiry for a hunting accident. And he also points out that there were no rumors that Henry had had his brother killed. That is all later stuff that people have said and hunting accidents now I go through my little list. hunting accidents were enormously common um, as we 've already said rip william rufus 's older brother had already died um smashing himself into a tree. Uh, Robert Kirtos' son, as we've mentioned, was shot by accident in the New Forest. The Earl of Hereford had died from being shot in the breast by a knight who was shooting wildly at a stag. Malcolm of Morville died by being shot accidentally by Adolf of St. Morton's. Basil I died when his belt got caught in a stag's horns. Oh, God. I know, doesn't that sound awful? John II, Komenos, pricked himself with poisoned arrows. Folk of Jerusalem got crushed under his horse. And Valdemar, the young of Denmark, was shot accidentally while he was on a hunt. This is something that happens. I, so I went into the study of this convinced that this was murder. I have now become convinced it was an accident.
1: Interesting.
0: Mm, yeah. yeah. So what have you to say on this matter? Cause you read someone who's convinced that the French set it up, which I had not even heard that that's our new rumor.
1: (laughs) I don't think that Emma Mason is necessarily pushing that theory. I think that she's saying this is, you know, before we, before we decide to hang Henry in effigy, there is this whole other thing that needs to be looked at. But uh, you know, on the one hand, All of these other accidents would imply that this is probably also an accident, just, you know, on the law of averages. But Richard having been killed by the the nephew, Richard having been killed just earlier in the year, either in April or May, suggests that maybe somebody got the idea of how to get rid of William from that thing having just happened. Could be,
0: but there's no suspicion. There was no suspicion that it was anything but an accident. All of the accusations of murder come later.
1: It probably is, but. <laughs> I feel I feel kind of for William, I'm going to be honest. He He had a rough go of it for <laughs> the 13 years he was king. My goodness. <laughs> he hardly had any time. I mean... His chair didn't get to get warm. He didn't get to sit down long enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking myself, you know, because I've not run across any popular fiction you may have. And I thought, you know, why not? Because this is really a candidate for historical fiction and and romanticization and just doesn't happen. And it may be that he just simply wasn't around long enough, but still still. And of course, you know, the chroniclers do have um some um nice embellishments of their own. I like the part. I I like to picture that he shot in the breast. He um Pulls the arrow out, and as he's dying, he says, "Run, run, this is not your fault. I th- I find that highly stirring, and so sure, why not <laughs> Do I believe it? Not for a New York minute, but I find it very a very lovely story. I think it's a good story.
1: I uh, very much enjoyed reading uh, Emma Mason's biography of him. Uh, she's, it's quite well written. She knows a lot about him. I enjoyed learning a bunch of things I didn't already know about him. I enjoyed learning about his conflict with, with the Archbishop of Canterbury, Anselm. And it uh, kind of prefigures that conflict between Beckett and Henry II. And I very much enjoyed learning that Thomas of Beckett pushed for Anselm to be canonized as part of his conflict with Henry II. He's trying to set up a um, saintly predecessor.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we had mentioned that when we were talking about Beckett, and I hadn't made this kind of connection. Okay, yeah. yeah.
1: I enjoyed finding out that William has a um, favorite oath, like his uh, a swear.
0: Uh-huh. You must tell us about his favorite oath.
1: I, I enjoyed this a lot. He's got... Um, His favorite oath is by the holy face of Luca. And I finally looked it up after about the 14th time it showed up because this is clearly a thing he actually said. And what's really fascinating about it is that this is a is a it's a real relic that still exists. Um, I have to say, is it like the face of Bo? No, but, but it sounds like it. That's one of the reasons I had to go look it up. Like, what the heck is this? <laughs>
0: By the face of Bo, <laughs> which really turns out to be Captain Jack, doesn't it? But anyway, it's rate, a wooden
1: it. crucifix that uh-huh. is in the Cathedral of um, Saint Martin in Lucca, and for a long, long time, we thought that the version that they have. Is a copy that was made in the 12th century. But recent testing, this is so exciting, this is new information. Recent Yay. testing from 2020, six months ago, um, has discovered that they have the original. Whoa! It is an 8th century. Carving it is now it is now known to be the oldest surviving wooden relic in Europe that we still have. Isn't that cool?
0: This is very cool, and this is
1: the very, very thing that um William was swearing oaths by. Yes, he probably never saw it. He he probably heard about it from Bishop Baldwin, who had seen it in his travels and talked about it. Why did
0: it make such an
1: impression on him? Uh, because there's <laughs> no there's, idea
0: because, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of crucif- crucifixes <laughs> hanging around Europe at this point. Why this one?
1: I know it's just such a it's actually this really kind of charming part part of his personality that he has this swear, but it's not it's it's like Jehoshaphat, right? It's kind of calm. it's not really horrible. And it's totally obscure,
0: even at that, that time, because, you it's know,
1: awesome.
0: people, in, people in England and Normandy hadn't seen this thing.
1: <laughs> it's delightful. I just love it. Um, <laughs> there's there is an almost certainly apocryphal story of William and Henry causing a breach, causing the fight between Robert and their father. This is probably not true, but I love it. So I'm going to share it with you. Um, <laughs> The Chronicles tell a story of William and Henry, the younger brothers, going up on the roof where Robert, the older brother, Robert Hose, and his followers were having a party. They were all in Normandy and taking up the roof tiles and peeing down on them. (laughs) Ha ha!
0: You know, I don't know why you would think that
1: is apocryphal because
0: that seems to me to be the kind of thing that you wouldn't make up.
1: You know what I mean? So, so here's what happened according to, according to the Chronicles is the followers got mad at Robert, his retainers. And so, why are you putting up with this? You know, your little brothers are up on the roof peeing down on us. First of all, you know, it's gross. And secondly, they're clearly. They're clearly <laughs> making fun of you, so Robert gets really, really mad, but he can't get a hold of the brothers, and he takes off with his followers and leaves William the Conqueror's army, and they actually end up in conflict for for a number of years after this. huh now, I kind of think this is not probably true because I don't actually think that Robert ended up fighting with his father because his Mm -hmm. little brothers peed on him. And there's a major, this is one of of my big issues with it. There's a big time gap, an age gap between William and Henry. There's like 10 years between them. So I'm having trouble Uh imagining a 13 year old and a three year old peeing down on the older brother. But I will say that this strikes me as being very much in the nature of boys. My father told a story about him and his brother opening up the window and peeing on their older brother and a date who were down by the front door.
0: Yes, this does. this. See, that's, see, that's what strikes me. I don't believe the part about going to war over it. I believe <laughs> the part about, I believe the part about they peep, you know, the, One or more of the brothers peed on um, Robert Curthoes. That's what I believe. I totally believe that. And then it got embellished and it got made into a bigger thing. Totally, I believe that. And I'm willing to believe it was William because at that point, Henry was too young. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I learned a lot of stuff. I learned um, some more about the Doomsday Book.
0: What did you learn about the Doomsday Book?
1: I learned that it is mostly a product of William's realm rather than – William. William Rufus's realm, rather than of William the Conqueror's, because yeah, he he didn't get it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, William the Conqueror, he doesn't even start it until 1085. Yeah, which is very late, <laughs> since he's going to die soon after that. <laughs> he probably um, starts the Doomsday Book not as a result of the conquest of England, but as a result of some threats from Denmark, and needs to do an inventory.
0: That I did not know. I like that. So Denmark, who's ruling Denmark at this point? I got to look that up.
1: He's they're having they're having some problems with Denmark, and so he needs to do an inventory of what's available in the country and and who's in charge of what. Um, okay, I found out that there's tremendous controversy in Doomsday book studies. Who knew about what the relationship is between the inquest the evidence gathering that William the first started and the book that William the second had written that Uh the, the the fact finding was not necessarily done in order to produce a book.
0: I see. I
1: see. Interesting.
0: Yeah, that is actually yeah, cuz I thought it I thought they were writing it all down, also, that they but they weren't necessarily collating it. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. these
1: were two different things that happened. William the 1st sent them out to gather a bunch of information and find out who was in charge of each piece of the land, which then of course was useful for knowing who, you know, to call up when you need something, but also then uh-huh. for taxation purposes. But it's William who has the book written and the book i'm i had so much fun looking online at <laughs> facsimiles of copies it's beautiful it's it really a beautiful, is beautiful book and the level of organization in the bigger portion of it, because it's two pieces. I learned so, so much wonky stuff about the doomsday book. They, <laughs> the bigger piece of it is spectacularly well organized. Like at the beginning of it, it's organized by county. And then at the beginning of each section, uh, which probably were separate books originally. like So that you could um, consult them more easily as pamphlets. Uh-huh. Like, like the books of the Bible were separate. Original right 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 in the middle ages anywho um there's a list of the landholders in that county all nicely organized according to status so the king is listed first and then the abbots and then you know if there's any earls and it just goes down the list and each of them has a number by it that then corresponds to that person section later on which (laughs) sounds really basic but this is organizational cutting edge it is so brilliant the normans
0: were actually very good at organization they really really were
1: you know my husband works at a at an information school Right. So I told him he needs to go give them a talk about how the Normans held on to England with cutting edge information technology. Right on list. And it's got numbers. And then you can easily look it up. (laughs) That is it's true. It's true. It is. Yeah. They have this whole pioneering thing that that. I, I was I was astounded actually because you know books don't even have titles at this point and there certainly right. isn't an index or anything like that. So no, very impressive. No, it's
0: it's very impressive actually. It's funny because it seems so simple to us, but it's really it's highly impressive.
1: The other really fascinating thing I learned is that the Earl of Warwick. Who you know is such a huge figure for here from here on out for the rest of the Middle Ages, the right. Earl of Warwick is a is a position that is created after William successfully puts down that rebellion of 1089 because he gets oh. a bunch of help from Richard of Beaumont and makes him Earl of Warwick.
0: Okay, so it's he's not one of um, William the Conqueror's earls. No,
1: it's okay. it's William Rufus's. Right. It's a reward for this guy who had his back during that rebellion. All right,
0: all righty then. <laughs> later on, a whole another will be kingmaker
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for, some, a whi- for a while. Some <laughs> for a while, later descendant, yeah. A later descendant, yeah.
0: So yeah, so the um, Denmark. saw so I looked this up. Oh. Uh, yeah, Canute the Fourth is raiding England in 1085, and he plans an invasion to take the throne of England. I'm in Wikipedia. He called up a fleet of 1,000 Danish ships, six Nor- 60 Norwegian longboats, and met, planned to meet with um, the Duke Robert of Flanders. Um, so that is exactly what's going on. The Danes are about to invade. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. I I found out that there is a way wider and deeper pool of doomsday book studies than I really knew existed.
0: I know this, yeah. There's wider and deeper pools of everything, really. Or it's a bog. There's a wider and deeper bog.
1: <laughs> but it's just beautifully written. The handwriting is gorgeous, and it's in this very, very legible Carolingian minuscule. You've got the list of names. The numbers are rubricated. So it's very, it's very well designed to be a useful reference work.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, and it's it's very clearly readable and yeah. uh, then you can go back and forth. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the, um the idea that each of the, the counties were different little books, that's, we can tell that that's not a theory because of the where on the, the, for the folios. So cool. And apparently people still consult the Doomsday Book to try to uh, make cases about their ancestors.
0: Yes, and they still drag it up if they're talking about genealogy, too. (laughs) Often often when they do that, they actually get things wrong, but whatever.
1: So I found out also that um, it was called The King's Book.
0: Yes, Doomsday was later. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's it's a little bit later that it's called that. But I also found out that Orderick, our man Orderick, was, of course, all over this since we're right in his time period. And he was the first chronicler known to have called William the Conqueror the Bastard.
0: Of course he was. Of course he was. We remind our listeners that it's Orderick Victalis who thinks that the white ship... Um, sank on account of everybody committing sodomy on it when really, whether they were or not getting drunk and hitting a rock is enough of an explanation, but yeah, he, he is very, he's a very moralistic um, chronicler is our orderic.
1: And there's a lot of changes that happen in between when William is born, you know, and when Odrick is, Odrick is writing. Uh, about what constitutes a legitimate marriage there's 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 a real tightening and henry tries to argue that he's the more legitimate heir because he was born after the conquest so of course he should be king of england what the heck that has to do with anything
0: well because they didn't have england before then this totally makes sense to me yeah go henry go
1: and I just want to remind everybody that Henry is our dude who's the dad of the the prince who died in the white ship, and he himself was known to have had at least 20 illegitimate children.
0: Yes, he had a whole lot of children, but only one of them was one that could inherit the throne, and that guy drowned as a young man on the white ship. Drunk we know, committing sodomy, we have no idea.
1: And um, the the husband of... Uh, Mabel showed back up in my reading for this as well, because he uh, was one of William's lords. The husband of which Mabel? Mabel. Mabel de Belém. Oh, Mabel de Belém. Okay. Yes. Okay. We come come together with this one, really.
0: A thousand years of medieval history, really. There's a whole lot there. Yes, Mabel de um, from that horrible family that everybody said was so bad in Normandy. We did a bo- podcast about that, and her husband. Yes, her husband is Roger de Montgomery. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was um, one of William's William Rufus's lords, of course, William the Conquerors. But then William Rufus's, and was reputed to be siding with Robert in that conflict that they had but was but was clever enough to not be so obvious about it that William has to do something about it after it gets settled.
0: Yeah, that would have been a hard position really. But, you know, like all those other nobles, he's got lands in England, he's got lands in France, he's really got to, you know, you had to balance things very carefully, and you often ended up having to go to war, and you had to figure out what side was probably going to win, because that's actually, it wasn't like people going, morally, I belong to the whatever, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. mostly you had to figure out what side you thought was the best bet,
1: and go in there. This was a tough couple decades i mean it's not like norman it's not like norman rule is always really peaceful but this was a particularly i mean when i was reading the biography there were a whole bunch of auxiliary murders that i just sort of made note of to add to our list
0: oh, oh good so we can hit those later yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. king
1: of scotland gets killed in an ambush
0: i think we have them on our list yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I want to find some um, some dreadful crimes during uh William the Conqueror's reign because then we get to talk we'd get to talk some about that but yeah yeah this murder and, and that's not even to mention the hunting accidents the plain old damn yeah. running running your horse into a tree accident you know there's there's lots of stuff going on it's a very bloody time
1: yeah i I want to put that the death of the king of scotland on our list because it's really interesting because he's killed by one of william rufus's noblemen who thinks he's going to get rewarded and he actually <laughs> william is william is so mad at him Really,
0: <laughs> it's like those guys that go and kill beckett Oops. <laughs> Oops, sorry. I thought, I thought that's what you wanted. I really, I really thought that. Damn. <sighs> so we have Domesday Book. We have um, Medieval Hunting. We have William Rufus going off on a nice old hunting jag and never coming home. And that's, yeah, that's what we've got. You got anything else we need to say about William Rufus?
1: I mean, I guess it's not terribly surprising that when you go off to kill, you know, 600-pound animals with Sharpie things that somebody gets dead (laughs) fairly regularly.
0: (laughs) No, it isn't. It isn't. Theoretically, the uh, stag hunting is not... Uh, even as deadly as things like, for instance, hunting wild boars. That's the worst. You don't go hunting wild boars without losing um, some of the dogs and some of the um, the boys that are beating the bushes.
1: It's like so deadly. But hunting today is—I mean, hunting is still dangerous. You you can get shot by another hunter. You know, sometimes people have heart attacks and fall out of their deer stands. So it's, it's still dangerous. Okay,
0: wait, 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 wait. Having a heart attack and falling out of your deer stand really has nothing to do with hunting. That just has to do with where you were when you had your heart
1: attack. Well, except that you did all the work to get yourself out into the woods and you climbed up into the deer stand and now you are overstressed and (laughs) sit down and have your heart attack.
0: Okay. Instead of having it while you're jogging. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) And I
1: assume that in the middle ages as now, once there's beer involved, then it's just a little bit worse in terms of the likelihood of an accident. Yes. Yes, yes,
0: yes which we hadn't even thought of. But, you know, um, they go out in the morning on that hunt, and he's shot in the afternoon. So God knows what they've been imbibing all that time. That's our new theory. Alcohol was involved. We can write a book.
1: I think it's fair. I mean... Yeah, it's like everybody knows.
0: So, yeah, so all my life I've been convinced that um, William Rufus was murdered, and I was shocked to come to the end of my work on on this and going, huh, I kind of don't think so. I think he went out in the morning and got shot by accident. That's what I'm thinking. And that it happened to be really advantageous for several people, including his younger brother.
1: I hope we come up with another crime in Henry the first time, because I I would like to circle back to him because I think it's very interesting that he has, you know, this death that is so fortuitous for him, even if he did not arrange it. And then, you know, the, the accident of the white ship, which some people do try to claim was was a murder and absolutely wasn't. It was just bad you know, bad decision making by young people. You know, those two things as bookends for his realms are really, really, really interesting.
0: Yes, yeah, because he's shattered. He's shattered by the by the death of his uh, son on the white ship. Yeah, his son and a great me- and other children and a great many relatives. It was that was a horrible horrible accident and it really was an accident yeah so this is i think another example of it really was an accident only you know we want to make a story about it being a murder
1: it is interesting though that there isn't contemporary rumors whereas no. like when we go down to richard the third right when his nephews there there were rumors right immediately There's r- immediately
0: yeah yeah and i think he had but no there weren't and it was um no, Henry was never talked about as someone who was a fratricide. He never was. And so I'm thinking, no, the, the, t- the contemporaries accepted it as a hunting accident. And that's why there was no inquiry. It happened to be the king, but it could have been anybody. That's why there was no inquiry. Terrell, on the other hand, I don't know, but I think Terrell was like, you know, why? And so, well, why did Terrell run? You know, well, I think Terrell ran because Terrell was not a idiot, he even you know, and he said he wasn't there. He
1: said it wasn't him. Okay, total sidebar, but that name Terrell appears to be basically a synonym for murderer. Isn't? <laughs> I mean, Shakespeare uses is- that all the time. Uh-huh in, uh-huh, uh-huh. in his plays for the hired lackey to kill somebody. <laughs>
0: I wonder where this comes from. <laughs> Terrell.
1: I'm I'm positive that's true that in a couple of his plays that there are hired lackeys to to, you know, randomly dispose of.
0: In a different realm they're going to bring down Jeffrey Baratheon, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Torrell's a good name that name kept pe- pegging me and i finally figured out what was what it was ringing what bell it was ringing for me it's because whenever there's a murderer in shakespeare he's called that
0: James Turrell was an English knight, a trusted servant of King Richard III, and allegedly he confessed. And so that's why um, Shakespeare that's why. uses his name. That's, why, that's where it comes from. Yes, and so one Turrell apparently shot William, and then another Turrell apparently might have killed some kids in the tower.
1: I'm writing not even connected to reality historical fiction. I'm positing A Secret Guild of Assassins. In England, and they're named Terrell.
0: There you go. There you go. I think that's good. I like it that it now has other, you know, resonances with uh, Game of Thrones, which we haven't mentioned in a while. And so there you <laughs> that's go. That's
1: true. <laughs> I, know. I know.
0: Like to bring thing, bring it back in, bring it in back in. So is that it for our um, Billy Rufus?
1: I I don't have anything else that was that was my whole list of interesting interesting things that I learned.
0: I'm I'm glad to I really was looking forward to thinking about William Rufus but I'm shocked. Yeah, no. People behaving badly in terms of shooting their arrows in the wrong direction. That's where you go. The next time that um, you hear from us we it will it will be our April the first uh, episode. We're going to celebrate April the Fool's day by um, commemorating the point at which uh, the king of Spain um, outlaws um, droit de seigneur which didn't <laughs> actually ever exist and so there you go.
1: I think that's a delightful choice. I'm so excited about that.
0: Oh uh, yeah, that was me I did that and would you want to explain draft de seigneur? in case people aren't
1: don't remember it immediately. So if you've seen Braveheart, you know what this is. This is this idea that the Lord claims the right to sleep with any bride on her wedding night and then hand her back as soiled goods to her husband the next morning.
0: Why am I getting the, the impulse to hit to hit somebody somewhere someplace? <laughs> There's nothing, nobody to hit here. The parrot's sleeping. Okay, any rate, yeah, yeah, yes, that's that idea, and um, so it's outlawed. We all believe it. No, you and I don't believe it because we're no fools, but everybody believes it because it sounds so medieval and Frederick's even gonna Frederick, he's gonna get, he's gonna say it can't ever happen, but no, it wasn't there.
1: It's really safe as a general rule of thumb that if you saw it in Braveheart, assume it's a lie.
0: Oh, Jesus. Every single thing in Braveheart. I swear to God. (laughs) Freedom! No. (laughs) No. Just no. Frankly, anything that Mel Gibson says I mean, okay. we're not even going to go to that thing about about um where he like you know all the thing about Jesus. No, let's not go there. <sighs> Crimes committed in the name of film. Hmm Well, that's all for us, for William Rufus. This has been True Crime Medieval, where the crimes are just like they are today, but with less technology. Apparently, people still shoot each other in the forest. I'm just saying. It's true. (laughs) <laughs> it's true. Just mostly not with arrows, but sometimes with arrows. We're on Apple Podcasts, iHeart Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places where podcasts live. Please leave a review on Apple. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, we're, <laughs> we maybe it's just me, but I have this like little goal that we have enough reviews that we actually show up if on. Uh, Apple, if you are if you search under true crime, we don't show up there yet. We show up on Medieval. If you search for Medieval, that's where we are. But I don't want true crime. I totally want true crime. I, I don't know if I'm going to get that. You can reach us at truecrimemedieval.com. True Crime Medieval is all one word, where you can find the show notes, which are written for us by Michelle, the transcripts, which are done for us by our beloved Lori Dietrich, And you can also reach us all through the webpage and you can leave comments. We would love to hear from you. If you have medieval crimes that um, you'd like for us to to discuss, please let us know. We'll take them under advisement. And if you want to, um, if you want to add anything or correct anything about um, one of our podcasts, please let us know. Cause then we'll say what you said. We'll say. And um, yeah, so that's it for us. Yeah. So bye. Bye.